to the 35th episode of the Red Sox Filter Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Green, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Dave Latham. Dave, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. Let's get it. We missed you during the banter. It, just, it was not the same, and I want you to know it was a void that no one could fill but you. Oh, I'm well aware. I'm irreplaceable. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gem. <laughs> I'm glad you have that confidence in yourself. And we're also joined, as always, by our other lovely co-host, Chris Jerzine. Chris? Hey. Sort of. I'm here. No, I'm here. I'm like 100, here. I'm 100% here. He's 100% Maybe Maybe more like 75, but I'll be here. Yeah. He's a little incapacitated, but he'll be here, and we have, this is like the first episode in the last, uh, of the last three or four where we don't have an interview, um, so we're going to have to fill time, and it just so happens that we don't have an interview on the week that coincides with perhaps the slowest week of baseball Red Sox activity since the start of the offseason. Like, literally, don't want to be that guy, but nothing has happened. Since we last spoke, some things have happened. Some things have happened, but I'd argue not much. And I'd argue we'll, we'll, we'll find some good Red Sox stuff to talk about. We have some, um, we have steamer projections. And considering, um, you know, this is the time of the year where people make predictions and resolutions. I don't know. Do people make predictions on New Year's? Whatever. Looking at different predictions for Red Sox players, trying to do an over-under, kind of doing some games with that. But before we do that, we're going to talk about some Red Sox news, I, I suppose. Um, the first, we talked a little bit about this last week with the Craig Kimbrell waiting game. If they are going to sign Craig Kimbrell, if they have interest, if they're going to wait for Craig Kimbrell's market to develop before they sign someone, if they're holding out for him. A lot of unknowns with the Kimbrels market, and I think it's becoming more and more realistic the longer we get into the offseason that perhaps the Red Sox will make a play and maybe ultimately sign him. But Dave, I want to know where your head is at with Craig Kimbrell and potential courtship or a reunion with the Red Sox. Do you think it's feasible? Feasible, yes. Um, I mean, the Red Sox are waiting out his market, and they're doing a very anti-Dombrowski thing by actually just, you know, waiting it out, seeing what's happened. I've spoke before about how, really, over the last calendar year or so, he's been a very different Dave Dombrowski than the guy that we're used to, the one that just sees what he wants and goes out and goes out and gets it, regardless of cost. But, you know, he's playing it careful. He's playing it, uh, sort of, he's sort of playing the waiting game, driving down the market. Other relievers are signing, which are taking said teams out of the Kimbrel sweepstakes. So that's going to really help us. The longer he's on the market, I feel like the more affordable he's going to be. That said, I really don't see him ever dropping to a price where I personally feel comfortable paying him, just with how much other things we have to take care of in the coming years. Um, I think if it ever gets to like $13 million a year, something like that, I think the Red Sox do it. But I wouldn't pay him unless it's like 10 or 11 which... I, that is so much less than Craig Kimbrell is worth. Yeah, and by and large, I'm kind of against signing closers, um, long-term deals, and a lot of money over position players or maybe starters who you get extract more value out of, obviously. It's a, just a better investment. So with, with relievers, I'm, I'm inherently worried and conservative about the contracts that I would theoretically throw at them. And Craig Kimbrell did not 
have, uh, he, I mean, in his Red Sox tenure, has been a little inconsistent. You had his first year in a Boston uniform, which was awesome, which was uh, not awesome. It was okay. It was a departure from the Kimbrel we saw with the with the Braves and even the Padres, I guess. And then he had like the All Star sort of the year um, in 2017 season, and then last year was was also a drawback. So I do there is evidence of a little bit of decline. I feel like his velocity is down. I feel like it's subjectively a fact. So there are some concerns with Kimbrel, and yeah, that just kind of sounds my worry. We've talked about this a lot. This Craig Kimbrel news has been ongoing because it is it is so captivating, and yeah, this is obviously something we'll be looking towards and, and talking about until it actually comes to fruition of where he goes. Um, Chris, what about you? New thoughts on this Craig Kimbrel situation, or is it basically the same as last? Same. I just want him to like sign his deal and be done with it. I'm tired of listening to it. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's he wants a roll this Chapman money, right? But a roll this Chapman signed that deal. What it's going into twenty nine? Craig Kimbrell's going into thirty one this year. Or is he going into thirty? He's going I, into thirty one. He's thirty right now. Yeah. So two years later, and he's asking for the same money when closers have shown to be the most volatile thing on the entire on the entire team. Closers are. It, not a dime a dozen, but you can find someone that's serviceable and you don't need to spend, you know, 15, 16, 17 million dollars on it. And uh, I, I just don't think, I, I don't see the Red Sox doing it um, unless something weird happens. Like um, Dave Dombrowski waits everybody out and gets him back on like a one year deal or something. But I doubt that happens. Yeah, I, a one year deal I couldn't see, but like three, like a three, four year deal, as Dave alluded to, for like around 13 to 15 million i could begrudgingly see it actually come come to pass but yeah i, I don't think that's where the red sox should be spending right. their money yeah there's there's just like a million other places to spend mo- not million because obviously there's one certain number of guys on each team but there's a there, there's a, a plethora of other places that they could spend that money and it kind of makes it more difficult to sign the guys that you actually want to sign going forward did you guys happen to see this thing about I don't know. This could have just been like a random Facebook fodder thing, but Chris Sale being the closer. Did you guys see anything about that? Because I thought I saw <laughs> something about happening. that. It may have been. It may have been Facebook fodder. I, I don't really it know. It sounds like something nuts that like a crazy person would write. <laughs> but no, that's not happening. Yeah, that's. I I don't see it. I. It, it's anything's possible, obviously, and if he's hurt enough, maybe. Maybe he decides to take some strain off the arm, but I doubt, you know, I just doubt it at this point. But it'd, yeah, be, it'd, be, if, it'd be cool to see, wouldn't it? But I, 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 I think, just don't, I don't think it's If Chris Sale's your closer, something has gone horribly wrong with Well, no, I, well, yeah, exactly. Kind of like what, um, didn't the same kind of thing happen to John Smoltz? Didn't he, like, get hurt or something like that? And that yeah, was the reason that, became, he, that it's reason he became a closer? Yeah. Yeah. So, John right, Smoltz's so. pretty good. Yeah, but that that's years down the line for sale, if at all. So. Yeah, something like that, that has to be years worth of like wear and tear, years worth of like regression to actually end up from like a bona fide starter to going into that closer role. Like you have to lose a lot of stamina. I feel like now we have to track down the source of where you found this, Chris, and gotta be an amateur blog post. N- uh, nobody likes amateur bloggers. Go to redsoxunfiltered dot com, please. <laughs> Go to redsoxandfilter.com where we are totally not amateur bloggers. 
Still think that, you know, 13 to 15 is a little too much for him, although I'd see the Red Sox doing it. Give me Durbin Feldman. Give me Travis Lankins. We've got so many guys that give are just Marcus about ready. Walden. Don't give me Marcus Walden. Do not give me Marcus Walden. <laughs> As we talked about before the show. Marcus Walden has no major league future. Uh, uh, literally every pitcher we have on the 40 is better than Marcus Walden, except for maybe Chandler Shepard, and that's just because I've never seen him pitch. And Marcus Walden is not pitching 30 innings. You have so many better options on the 40. I think it was Marcus Walden actually pitched 14 big league innings last year. And considering that they lost Kimbrell and um, Kelly, they might lose Kimbrell and they're gonna, they obviously lost Kelly. Maybe he carves out a role with the Red Sox. He, he's not carving out a role. I will bet every cent I have ever earned in my entire life that Marcus Walden does not reach 30 innings, barring absolute calamity. We need, we need five guys to go on like the to, to miss at least two months of action simultaneously for Marcus Walden to see 30 innings. <laughs> the fact that Marcus Walden pitched, what would you say, 13 innings last year? 14. 14. Actually 14. 15. 14 oh. Oh, cool. All right. So the fact that he... He did, like, 15 innings, basically. Tells you that the bullpen is the most, like, random random group of the of the baseball team. That they just move in and out. Pitchers <laughs> Willy-nilly. Yeah, it's just like, here, here's this guy. He's going to throw us, like, 15 innings. Have fun. Like, that's pretty much what they told him, probably. But, yeah, no, Mark Swaldon, I'm getting you a jersey for that, Dave. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not wearing it, so... Just to, like, end or close the Marcus Walden discussion, because I'm sure people who are listening to this did not come to hear about Marcus Walden. He actually was surprisingly effective in his 14 innings, like, more than I thought. The luckiest 14 innings. 368 ERA, 207-5. That sounds pretty good, but then you look at his AAA number, you know, a, a bigger sample against inferior competition. He almost walked as many people per nine innings as he struck out. He had a 4.96 ERA and a 4.40 FIP. So just by like looking at that, even combining those two numbers, uh, not very encouraging. So. You know, I remember a lot of loud outs with Walden. Oh, there were a lot. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Walden. Sorry, bud. Probably not in your cards. But we're we're gonna we're gonna actually um, segue here and talk about. There have been rumblings of a potential Brock Holt trade, and now I don't know where the origins of this came from. Was it from a reputable source, or was it from just an internet uh, Twitter presence who just kind of made the, it and it the, caught fire? The Chris Sale thing was a was a um, a blog. Yep. So I'm guessing this is probably also a blog. I think I felt like I heard that from like maybe not like a legit beat reporter like a Pete Abraham or something like that, but I feel like it was from someone like, in Red Sox Twitter, who sent that out. But don't quote me on that. I will not quote you on that. Um, But Brock Holt's trade rumors are kind of circulating the Red Sox Twitter sphere. And considering we are active on the Red Sox Twitter sphere, and we don't have a lot to talk about, we're going to talk about this. Um, What do you think about the practicality of a Brock Holt trade, Dave? And is this something the Red Sox should seriously consider? I don't like the idea of it, but I don't hate it as much as the rest of the world does. And the main reason not to do it is simply because there's no re- like there's no way you'd get much value for it. Utility infielders don't really have much value on the trade market, so I can't imagine you getting anything of value in return. 
But if you did, I wouldn't be morally opposed to getting rid of Holt. Uh, Holt has a history of, you know, falling apart in the second half. He has concussion history, which anytime, like, there's concussion history, I immediately get worried because concussions are just such a, like, very serious issue. You never know how long a guy like that has left. And I like that Zouwe Lin is, you know, I, I feel like he could do a good enough job in the Brock Holt role. Behind him, we have nothing, but... Um, you know, Lynn's had a really good last two seasons when you put his p- Pawtucket and uh, Major League numbers together. He's not quite as good as Holt, but he could do a serviceable job if you could get something for Brock Holt and save a little money in the process. Yeah, I think that was an interesting point you brought up about Zoo Elan's presence because I feel like uh, defensively you're getting an upgrade if you throw Zoo Elan out there. Um, yeah, but, but he you're can't losing hit. some offense. Yeah, Zoo Elan cannot hit. But I don't think it would be as big of a landslide as some people think if they got rid of Brock Holt. But I don't think, yeah, as you said, he's in his last year. He's 30. There's not a lot of untapped potential there. He's a serviceable utility guy who goes on some really nice hot streaks occasionally. But by and large, is around a league average hitter in a good year, providing serviceable defense. There's not a lot of appeal for a team to, you know, move a even maybe a middling prospect because I, w- I would imagine that's what they would get or a below average more of a fringe prospect and considering the Red Sox infield depth um, they have some guys like that are interesting but there's no standout you know we know who the Red Sox second baseman is going to be even Raphael Devers comes with his own question marks at third so you like to have Brock Holt as you know someone who can fill in and even if there's an injury to the outfield, you would you like the fact that you have Brock Holt there, who could you know come in and, and play right or left uh, capably, because we don't yeah. want JD Martinez in the outfield for the most part. <laughs> so yeah, and, Brock, go ahead. To, to add to that point, you mentioned you know prospects down in the minors that you know aren't far away, but most of our good middle infield guys. Those guys are still a few years away. Like C.J. Chatham's never played above single A. Anthony Flores, I think, has never played above rookie ball. Or if he did, he peaked at the Lowell Spinners last year, which, you know, that's he's two, three years away at least. Um, there's really nothing that exciting in Pawtucket. There's always the Michael Chaffis at second experiment, but he can't. He'd only be able to play corner infield in second. He'd never be able to play around the field. And, you know, Holt also gives you stuff in the outfield. I am not a believer in Sam Travis at all. Bryce Brents theoretically could do the job, but you don't want him to. So they're really, outside of Zuway Lin, you don't really have a guy pro-ready to take on the Brockhold role. Yeah, so as as such, I think we can agree. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts you want to add here about the Brockhold situation? Brockhold, I, I, I like Brockhold, um, but I don't. I don't get caught up in the, he should become a starting player that the rest of the Red Sox world sometimes gets into because he breaks down uh, over time if you let him play a lot and he gets exposed. And like you guys said, he's, he's a great guy, but that's about all he amounts to is a great utility guy. I mean, he has little to no power. He hits for average. He's a good fill-in guy when you need him for a little stretch. But other than that, I mean, I... I I could see them trading him, but the only way that he's anything useful is if he's attached to somebody else. So you're trading somebody else as well on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, 
here's my here's my fiery take. We keep Holt this year, but he's gone next year, and Lynn Sanity takes over. Yeah, it's just I mean he he gets on base at a decent clip because he walks a lot, and sometimes he has double power. So maybe he's, yeah, Zooey Lynn. I do want to make note of the fact that Jackie Bradley Jr. worked out in pajamas, Christmas pajamas specifically, at a spring training facility for the Red Sox. Uh, JBJ, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> don't know, don't know if you guys saw that. Um, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know if there's much more to it. Uh, Dave, do you want to weigh in with a comment? One sixty-two and O. One sixty-two and O. Chris, do you have any JBJ thoughts? His PJ game is terrible. He needs he needs better PJs. Come on. Well, well, I guess I mean, he's trying to make himself look relatively presentable. I guess. But he has nothing to prove to no one. He is an all-star. That's true. That's true. JBJ. ALCS MVP Jackie Bradley Jr. Doing his workout in PJs. Like, I, I mean, like, I get the t-shirt. The t-shirt, I think, is just a standard Red Sox shirt. But it's rare that I, I, I think when I think of people in PJs who, you know, go to work or go to school or whatever, I don't really see them wearing a shirt that is, you know, very pajama-y. But the pants, the pants are on fire. And I feel like that's the most important part of the pajama package. And it's got the reindeers. It's got the, it's got the Christmas trees on them. I, I don't know. I think they're, they're very festive. And that's all we'll talk about. It's also it's also weird seeing it in like it's like sunny and like there's grass. Yeah, yeah, it's very Christmas. Where's the snow? Exactly. How we're gonna do this is I'm gonna read you some stats that they they forecast for each of these guys. Not every single one, but um, some fun games here. So my first question to you is: the Red Sox or Steamer projects. Jackie Bradley Jr., his projection is for an exactly average 100 WRC+. plus. Do you think it's going to be above, below? Is it going to be an average, above average, or below average hitter in your mind? Chris, you go first. I'm going to go with he's going to be a below average hitter. Well, what was what was he last year? He was below average, but he obviously ground made up because it's just a horror movie. And then the second half, you're like, well, I think it was like 90, 90 exactly last year. So I think he's going to be below average. You think below average? Again, yes. Okay. And I mean, hey, the past two years. I think what we saw is what he is. I mean, if you if you look at his stats over the years, his 2016 was a weird anomaly. Everything else is pretty much right in line with the same same stats as last year. So I'm below average. But he makes up for about his defense, so Yeah. What about you, Dave? I'm I'm gonna go like basically right at average. If I had to pick a side, I'd say very slightly like above, but it's gonna be roughly average. I'm expecting a bit of an increase in Jackie because if you've listened to what Cora said, he's uh, Jackie's changed something up with his swing, he's trying a new approach at the plate. He's spent a lot of time talking to J.D. Martinez about said change, and J.D.'s probably the most knowledgeable hitter in baseball. So I, I'm expecting a bit of a jump in Bradley's production at the plate. Um, call me a blind optimist if you want, but I do feel like Jackie. He, we've all seen the potential. He can go on incredible streaks. There's something there. It's always just been about the consistency. And I'm hoping that uh, with an offseason to sort of refine his approach with J.D. Martinez sort of teaching him how to get things done, I feel like he can take that next step, become more consistent, and be an average hitter to go along with an unbelievable fielder. 
Um, so as JBJ's, um, the self-proclaimed biggest JBJ fan on the face of this planet, it is maddening to me that he has all-star offensive potential level. And we saw that in 2016, obviously. Chris just talked about it. Um, but at the same time, like the past two years, he's had these bouts of inconsistency which have plagued him. And there are times when he's looked like Billy Hamilton at the plate. And then there are times when he's looked at the plate. So it, it just it's a real Jekyll and Hyde situation with his offensive consistency. Um, and that's why I, I think he will jump up a little bit. I think his uh, underlying numbers suggest that he was a little unlucky, um, especially in the first half of the season. That guy was getting criminally unlucky. He was hitting balls hard. They would just be really loud outs. And then people would just, you know, fit a convenient narrative that he couldn't hit the ball. And then he started hitting the ball. Then he obviously was the ALDS MVP, hit some mammoth home runs. Uh, and that's that's a Jackie Bradley Jr. experience. That's what you're going to get. So I think 100 WRC plus is, is right on the money. I, I think it'll, you know, fall within that range, probably like 90, 92 to 105. Um, and that's a very large confidence intervals. But that's, that's what I'm going to go with. So average hitter. Uh, but he could go above, he could go below. There's, there, there's a range that, that is pretty large with, with Jackie Bradley Jr. especially. My next question here is, Andrew Benatendi is tapped for 18 bombs in, in 2019. Andrew Benatendi has, one of, like Mookie Betts, one of the prettiest swings of baseball. At age 24, he has been an above-average offensive player for two years. He was a four-win player last year. He's hit... 16 homer 2018 20 and 2017 but he had like what maybe fifth like 12 at the end of the first half and then he just went on a home run outage he could he was not hitting for any uh power really i mean he was hitting for some doubles powers but he wasn't hitting for those those long balls do you guys see andrew benatendi as hitting 25 plus home runs in, in 2019 or do you think 18 is is about where he's going to get dave i'll start with you 25 might be pushing it just because, you know, that's a pretty big number. But Benintendi has the power to get close to it. I think he's going to just be under, but I think he's going to do better than the 18 he did last year. Like, I think 22, 23, just because that swing is so pretty. Those balls are going to start going over the fence pretty soon. Yeah, uh, I agree. It just he doesn't have as much lift in his swing as some of the other Red Sox guys, especially I feel like there's a conscious change to more of a fly ball revolution approach, which in part was spearheaded by Alex Cora, in part spearheaded by J.D. Martinez. But I feel like Andrew Benatendi's still got a more level swing than a lot of guys, and that's why some of his balls haven't really gone out of the park as much. But I could I could see 25, 18's a fair conservative estimate. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, I'm going with the... I want, I want him to hit all the home runs. <laughs> I agree. Me Every too. single plate appearance, home yes. runs. Uh, so, like all runs. Red Sox home runs, or just in general, every time he's up at the plate, six hundred sixty home runs. Every it's yeah, six hundred sixty. Well, yeah, six hundred sixty home runs. That's what I'm going for. No, I'm I want him to go four for three he'll, with five homers think, every game. I think he'll, I think he'll go over twenty. But I think what people kind of lose with Andrew Benintendi is that his floor was low. But I don't think his ceiling was all that high. I could be wrong on that, but I, I feel like I feel like people were expecting the world of Andrew Benintendi, and I just don't see him giving the world. But he's gonna be he's gonna be way above average. He's gonna be, you know, better than what he is right now. And I think he's gonna hit more home runs. I mean, he's going into 
he's he was 23 last year. So, I mean, if you know anything about the human body, you generally don't hit your physical peak until you start hitting, you know, 24 or 25. So, I'm going with more home runs. Yeah, I, I, in terms of Andrew Benintendi's ceiling, I think there's a lot still to be on tap just because the swing is so beautiful and he just, I feel like you need, he needs to lift up a little bit more. Look, I'm not a hitting coach that's that's simplifying things, but I think there's definitely a lot more potential in that bat. But I, I agree, like the floor was always low with this kid in terms of when, when scouts were, were diagnosing or prog- prognosing what his MLB outlook would, would be. Um, but I still think that the sky's the limit and I, I think he's going to be an MVP candidate in the future. Just the power needs to needs to be there for that to happen. But even without the power, even with a plug, the, the guys want to be better players in baseball. So you can't complain too much. Uh, Most teams would kill for him to be the outfielder you build around. Yeah, he would be the number one outfielder on a lot of teams. But you know, Mookie yeah, lives yeah, and breathes. Exactly. <laughs> he. It's not like he's. It's not like he's some bum. So I'll take him. All right. So another one we have here now. Moving to the pitcher side of things. This is interesting. They have. Uh, Rick Porcello tab to have the highest ERA of any of the five starters. And it's not really close. It's uh, Rick Porcello, 424. Eduardo Rodriguez, 402. David Price, 394. Some people might take exception with that. Nathan Avoldi, 390. And Chris Sale with the shiny, glimmering 276 on top of that group. Is Rick Porcello going to have the highest ERA among Red Sox pitchers in 2019? Uh, Dave, what do you think about this? Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I mean... If you're looking for most valuable pitcher, I'd put Porcello above Eddie Rodriguez just because you don't know how many innings Eddie has in him. He's yet to prove he can do that for a full season. But when all five of those guys are at full strength, I'd probably say Porcello's the worst of them. So having the uh, having the highest DRA makes sense to me. Mm, okay. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, I mean, I could see a scenario where Eovaldi or Eduardo Rodriguez have a higher ERA, um, but I don't. Unless he has another 2016 in him for Porcello, I don't see him besting everybody else on the staff. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you don't really think about it, but a lot. Uh, maybe you do think about it. Maybe I don't think about it that much. But a lot of Rick Porcello's value comes from the fact that he just pitches so many innings. And he's like the one of the. Uh, I think he led the team in innings last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Am I wrong? I'd I'm be right. very surprised if he didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, Rick Porcello has that longevity about him. He has the stamina. He eats innings, which is valuable and in, 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 inherently in itself. But he definitely, when he's on the mound, it's either him or Eduardo Rodriguez is the least efficient. Um, but he's a better pitcher than him. He averages like 200 innings easily. So there's value with that, especially with Chris Sale uh, becoming more injured last season and then breaking down and... Uh, 2017. So there are health concerns with Chris Sale. Um, Rick Porcello is the guy that you uh, more than any of the Red Sox pitcher. I feel like I feel like most comfortable asserting that he would probably eclipse the inning mark out of anyone in this group. But when he's on the mat, he's probably the least efficient, which is not a slight at all because he's a very good pitcher in his own right. It's just the speaks Red Sox. to how stacked the he, rest. Yeah, of the yeah. Race. He pitched he pitched 14 more innings than the next person, which is David Price. Yeah. Uh, Rick Porcello is is quite quite the uh, inning leader, and and that's, that's that's very valuable in today's game, especially. So, he also he also had the highest ERA last year. Yeah. Oh wow. So these projections are right uh, in line with what what would actually happen last season. So my next question here is: This one's going to be a little more obscure, but 
Hector Velasquez and Brian Johnson both kind of carved out interesting roles with the team in twenty in twenty eighteen. They were starting pitchers uh, occasionally when they were called upon, but for the most part, they found their way into the relief role. I want to ask which one you think will get more innings in this projection. They have Hector Velasquez at 57 innings and Brian Johnson at around 20. Who's going to pitch more in 2019? I think this is a pretty good question, if I do say so myself. So, this is a cop-out, but Brian Johnson's going to get more innings because he doesn't have options. Hector Velasquez still does. So, if you're pinched for a roster spot, it's going to be Johnson, or it's going to be Velasquez going down, Johnson staying in the majors. Okay. Okay, I like that answer. Uh, what about you, Chris? I want neither of them. Well, actually, I'd rather have Hector Velasquez get more innings, and I, but I don't necessarily, like Dave said, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. I think Brian Johnson gets more innings unless he's just completely atrocious and he's the DFA. Yeah, it, it's weird to me because I feel like they have different skill sets. Um, Hector Velasquez is more of a ground ball pitcher, and he induces weak contact. Brian Johnson is more, more of a complete pitcher almost, but he also gives up a lot more hard contact. So if you're trying to get a guy in to get ground ball outs, uh, Velasquez is your guy, but obviously he's not using that like specialist role. He's more of a long guy. It's going to be interesting to see which one is actually going to be a part. I mean, both didn't make postseason roster. Both had stretches of mediocrity. Both had stretches of success. Both are very similar in, in value. It's just, uh, yeah, that makes sense that Velasquez does still have options and, and Brian Johnson doesn't. Although I could see Brian Johnson not on the team come 2019 after spring trading. I could see and, that, yeah. I think Hector Velasquez is a little more valued by the Red Sox. Don't know why. That has no substance attached to it, but it's just my gut feeling. So I'm going to be a contrarian just because you guys said Johnson. I'm going to go Velasquez based on nothing but pure blind intuition. Likens is better than all three of them, though, or better than both of them. Important qualifier. Yep, yep, I I believe that. Yeah, that that is, I I agree. The real Um, question is, will Marcus Walden pitch more than Brian Johnson? Or Hector Velasquez. He's projected no Brian Johnson right now. Are we not mad about that? Like, yeah, yeah. Those that's keeping wrong. these projections. There is no way that will ever, ever happen. Yeah, they even have Chandler Shepard as pitching more innings than Brian Johnson. They Seriously? really don't look Yeah, twenty compared to eighteen. Shepard's been in Pawtucket for three years and he's never cracked the pros, and they have him getting more innings than Johnson, a guy with no options. I am not kidding you. This is actually oh, real. Wow, life. I have. I have a beef with that. They're probably uh, assuming Johnson's going to get DFA. Nobody's going to pick him up. That's probably what they're yeah. assuming. They're I very guess, yeah, or like traded on him. Traded for like you know the Padres' 49th ranked infield prospect. I would also like to point out that Andrew Schwab, who was on the show last week, is um, among the minor league pitchers, one of the better projected ERAs. Um, on Steamer for for he has a 4.84 projected ERA. Um, comparison, Austin Maddox is a 492 projected ERA, so that's pretty good. Austin Maddox isn't pitching this year, is he? Well, this is just, they're just kind of, uh, yeah, I don't think he's pitching either, but they're just kind of like putting rough estimates on what they should do based on their minor league track record, and Maddox has a 492, and Maddox is kind of relevant, I guess, because, you know, most Red Sox fans know him because he pitched in 2017, and it was an easily accessible comparison. Travis Lankins, 452, that's another one. 
Um, He's going to be better than that. Hernandez, 515. He he needs time in the minors. I I hope, if we see him in 2018, I think, or 2019, I think it's all far more likely something has gone terribly wrong than Hernandez has done incredibly well. Entire entire side note that's unrelated to the Red Sox, because this isn't going to happen. What do they project Drew Pomeranz at? Oh my gosh. You're making me do some work here. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm like I'm super curious. I mean, I guess I could look it up myself, but because like I, I, yeah, I, well, I don't know if he would be included on the Red Sox list, or he's just a free. He's just a free agent. Okay, so there are four forty-eight thousand entries here. Let's see if I can somehow narrow this down. Can't just go on Fangraphs. Drew Pomerantz. Drew Pomerantz. Uh, just go and search terrible pitchers. I would category for that. That would make my life way too easy. Yeah, you know you're right, Dave. I don't know why I didn't. That was very. Yep, Steamer projects him for a point eight more, four seventy two ERA, one hundred thirty six innings. Wow, that's really so generous. Given Drew Pomeranz that's that's a really job. generous. Yeah, that is, that is, uh, that is interesting. Chris, do you have any rapid fire questions you want to ask before we depart? We have a few, a few. All right. Uh, can you tell the listeners if they haven't uh, listened to the rapid fire section of, about what this entails? I'm changing the name. You're changing the name? I'm changing the name. Oh, oh boy. It's going to be, well, we can call it this or that. I kind of like this or that better than rapid fire. So, <laughs> this uh, or that? Yeah, this or that. <laughs> in, in, in case anybody, most of these are yes-no questions, so this or that makes sense. Uh, if not, it's generally, hey, do you have, here's two options. Um, so, basically, these are yes or no questions or very quick questions. And if somebody wants somebody else to explain, they just tell them to explain, and they have, like, I don't know, 15 seconds. I think we were being a little too long there with the uh, 20 seconds. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. So, yeah. uh, oh, also, the best part is is that Dave and Pat have no idea what these questions are. So Zero clue. Yeah. And they <laughs> can we be get about, blindsided. They can, be about, they can be about anything, and I, I, I warn you that there's only one this week about not baseball. So the first one we have here, this is sponsored by nobody, FYI. Um, the first one we have here is, can the Twins vault past the Indians this offseason with their recent acquisitions of power bats like Nelson Cruz? Uh, no. Why not? I'm going with yes. Uh, Dave, why not? Seemed very ambiguous. Uh, so please elaborate. <laughs> oh, no, the Indians are tanking. They traded away that catcher for Brad Hand so they don't... So that hurts them. They're trading away Kluber. If they haven't done it already, they're about to. So they're about to suck. I don't... Can, can I counter? Is that allowed in this game? Yeah, we'll... we'll Be quick I'll, about it. I'll allow it. I'm giving... I, I wish I had a gavel. I'll allow it. I, I think the Indians are in a pretty good good position still. I mean, like, their rotation is still... Even if they trade Kluber, it, it's it's so deep. They just extended Carrasco. They obviously have Trevor Bauer. Uh, Mike Clevenger was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Danny Salazar is going to be healthy this year. And, and what is it? Biber Bieber emerged last year, too. So even if they don't have Kluber, um, they did. They, they have Francisco Lindor, and they have Jose Ramirez, and they're projected to be one of the top seven where, teams. Um, where do you get Biber? Where do you get Biber from? Biber? It's Bieber. Like, Justin Bieber. Jeez. Uh, I don't know I, where I got Biber. I think one of my friends called him Biber, and that then I friend, did. And then that I really friend is wrong. That friend is 100% my friend. wrong. Wait, my unspecified, right. unnamed friend. So, uh, number two here is, uh, hey, these guys, FYI, these are all numbered correctly. Um, number two is, rumors of, of a Sunny Gray trade have been swirling. Do you think he gets traded? 
Absolutely. Yes. Yes. We're in agreement. Find a trade partner. Mink has already said he's not going to be on the team next year. Like they openly admitted that. They're asking way. They're asking way too much for him, though. Um, Scooter Jeanette's ridiculous. Number three, are the Dodgers an actual potential destination for Bryce Harper after their trade to clear up money in outfield space? Yes. No. Oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> I thought we were all going to say yes here. No. Uh, I want Pat's going to explain. Pat's going to explain. Elaborate. Pat's a, Pat's you want elaborate. me to explain? Yeah, go. I, I mean, I, 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 they were, I feel like they were a contender for Harper services before. I think they have a very incredibly deep outfield, but they're obviously need. I don't know if they need, but it would behoove them to to make a move for one of these big stars in Machado or Harper because they have the money, they have the financial resources. I know it wouldn't, it would make them go over to the luxury tax, but they just reset the damn thing and they have like the most money to spend. Their ownership is flush with cash. I don't know why Andrew Friedman is being so conservative right, here. That's time. The, that's time. Okay. Nice point. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> You, anybody else want anyone to explain? I'm good. All right. Uh, will Dallas Keuchel find the five-year deal that he wants? No. 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 All right. Cool. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> do you do you lose track of what day it is between Christmas and New Year's? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> will the Padres make some noise this offseason and take a step forward? No. Yes and no. You can't pick both. Explain. I, just, I, think, I, I think they'll make a noise, but I think in very Padre fashion, very AJ Preller fashion, it's not going to make them contenders. It's not going to move the needle very much. I think they're a mediocre team with a good farm system, and I, I don't think they're going to make a major step forward, even if they trade for a big name. Cool. Uh, will the Angels successfully waste Mike Trout and never make any noise in the playoffs during his tenure? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm going with yeah. It's sad. It's sad, but good job, Angels. A plus. Thanks, uh, the breaker. You earn our you are you earn our get crapped on for five seconds of the week. Um, will the Rays close the gap between them and the top of the AL East this year? This year? No. Yes. Going with yes. Ah, good for us, Chris. Dave explained. <laughs> I think they're a year or two away. They obviously won 90 games, but I think they overachieved a little bit. They've got a great farm system, but they're all still really young. I think they need one year to sort of get, for especially for their younger guys, to get that one year of experience, and then 2020, the sky's the limit. Okay. Right. I feel you. I feel you. So with that answer. I like Charlie Morton. I think they're going to get Encarnacion. All right. Last one. Did the Reds close the gap with their acquisitions between them and the top of the NL Central? I wrote AL Central here. I meant NL Central. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you meant. <laughs> no. Uh, no. I'm going with yes. Explain. They closed the gap. That doesn't mean that they're going to be like a contender, but the gap is significantly less. And they're not going to be a dumpster fire this year like they were last year. Counterpoint, it's the Reds. They'll find a way to fuck it up. True, true, <laughs> true. Yeah, and that, that'll pretty much do it for this or that, or rapid fire, or whatever you want to call it, uh, sponsored by nobody. Back but it you. could be sponsored by back. somebody if you want to. No, it's sponsored, sponsored by nobody. Back, uh, uh, back yeah. to you. Yeah, I, I think it has to perpetually be uh, 
sponsored by nobody because it's funny. Even if like someone wants to sponsor it, don't. Forever we and can't always sponsored be bought. by nobody. We can't be bought. You cannot buy that we're, segment. We're priceless. <laughs> that segment, segment will never be too bought. Much, <laughs> it means too much to our pride. But yeah, guys, that's actually going to do it for this episode of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast. Thank you for listening. But we do have exciting news before we go. We are on, thanks to Chris here, we are now on Spotify. So please, if you haven't already, go follow us on Spotify because it's probably the most convenient way to do it. Or you can continue to listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and perhaps a variety of other platforms if the Grueling Truth decides to post us on their site because they have a lot of platforms, a lot of resources. Um, yeah, so please look us up on Spotify um, and continue to enjoy this wherever you listen to it. Um, Chris, do you have a departing thought? Uh, I'll see you next year. Well, I won't see you next year. You'll hear my voice next year. Dave? Um, yeah, pretty much uh, more of the same. Hopefully next time we're talking, there's something to talk about. But we did pretty good, and we didn't have to spend 20 minutes on JBJ's pajamas, so I'm proud of us. Those pajamas were weak. No, honestly, For a dude I that we... makes millions of dollars. Yeah, I, I think we didn't spend enough time on the JBJ no, we pajama did. segments. We so we can we can talk about it next on next episode a little more in depth, break it down. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week for the 36th episode. Um, as always, go Red Sox. Thanks for listening. Hey, we really need to just do like a blooper. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna create a blooper. Like, <laughs> Zowski. <laughs> Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. Come on, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> watching you, Wazowski. Did you remember to file your sorry. paperwork? <laughs> I remember nothing about the Monster You series. Alright, so today, when you get home from work, you're watching Monsters Inc. And then reporting back to us. I think I have better things to do. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Whatever it is I have planned, it's, it's not better than Monster <laughs> it, is, it is not. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just bring I'll it with you, them. wherever you're going. Yeah, bring, bring it with me. Chris? Chris? What happened? Can you, you hear lagged me? it. Yeah. I did? It's like... Am I here now? Am I good? Yeah. Now, now you seem better. Alright. What did you say? I, I like I you lagged out too. Uh, <laughs> I said you seemed better. No, with Jackie Bradley Jr. You said something, and I was kind of oh. answering it, but I was like kind of winging it because I didn't quite hear what you said. Yeah, <laughs> Dave, Dave was lagging out too. I didn't really hear Dave either. We were all dying. Um, all right. The previous question. What did you expect? What did you expect him to wear? He should come in with like a. Hold on a second. My, my, my daughter stop hitting the table. Give me a second. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs>